Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always plenty of entertainment. We are back! Finally, after a longer break than expected, I'm delighted to bring you this latest episode of the Try Talking Sport podcast. I had planned to release an episode in August and September, but the announcing and travel schedule actually took more time and energy than I had anticipated. And so the podcast took a backseat for the past two months. But now that we are heading into the back end of the season, it's time to get the show literally back on the road. It's been great to meet and reconnect with so many people across the season, both familiar faces I've met with over the past few years, but also super to meet lots of new faces who are at the start of their triathlon journey. My own training has definitely taken a backseat over the past few months. I can't remember the last time I was out on my bike. I haven't run since early September and I just about managed to get back in the sea on Sunday for a quick dip. But the winter is coming and as the dark nights set in, I'll be back on Zwift pedalling away to my heart's content until it's time to escape to the sun for some warm weather training in the new year. Speaking of getting away, I'm en route to Kona this week, currently in San Diego, hanging out with the voice of Ironman, Mike Riley and his wife Rose for a few days ahead of the biggest announcing week of my career as part of the team for the historical Women's Vinfast Ironman World Championship. Excitement has been building over the past few weeks for the race and I can't wait to get to the big island and embrace all that the World Championship has to offer. After Kona, I head to Tempe for the Ironman 70.3 Arizona, which will round out my season of triathlon and Ironman events for this year. Best of luck to everyone racing over the next few weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing lots of familiar faces on the Big Island and there's a great crew travelling over from the UK and indeed from Ireland. So if you're over there, be sure to come and find me. You definitely won't miss me on the microphone. Before we dive into this episode, a big shout out to Galway's Karen Cassidy, who last week cycled 570 kilometres from Mizzenhead to Malinhead in a time of 21.43.03, setting a new, yet to be ratified by Cycling Ireland record, a super performance from the two-time Mondello 24 cycle women's solo winner and winner of the Wild Mayo Ultra 300k unsupported race this year. Simply superb, and we are all so proud of Karen and what she has achieved. As always, don't forget about our discount on Nuasan products. If you haven't checked them out yet, go to www.nuasan.com to see their range of products and use the code TTS15 to get 15% discount online. Now to this week's guest, Helen Murray, who brings us inside the hugely popular podcast Inside Tri Show. Helen has been involved in media for many years, fulfilling her goal of working for the BBC, covering both the London and Rio Olympics and the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow and the Gold Coast. She has been podcasting since 2014, going solo on her own weekly show since 2019, which has been a huge hit with her listeners across the globe. Athlete, adventurer and all-round awesome human, Helen has a special way of interacting with and interviewing people to get the best stories and the most out of them for her show. It's no surprise that away from her love of media and meeting people, she has carved a successful career for herself that she loves as a cancer rehabilitation specialist with Move Charity, supporting young people who are going through a cancer journey to get back to sport and exercise. Helen has been involved in triathlon since 2011, which has seen her take on lots of races and challenges, including Ironman Austria and Ironman Wales. Her most recent adventure saw her complete the Pan-Celtic race earlier this year. 
This episode was recorded in the weeks prior to Ironman Wales, which Helen was due to participate in. But unfortunately, her plans got sidelined through appendicitis in the days leading up to the race. She does, however, have big plans for 2024 across triathlon and for her podcast. This is a lovely chat with Helen who simply loves sport and loves her job. Take a listen and be uplifted, inspired and energised by her outlook on life and her tenacity and commitment to achieving her goals. Helen Murray from the Inside Try Show, welcome to Try Talking Sport. Joanne Murphy, thank you so, so much. I am happy to be here. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here and uh, we've had a little chat off air before we decided to press record and I think we've been talking for 45 minutes, so I'm not sure we'll have an awful lot to talk about during the podcast, but we'll do our best. Helen, you are one of the queens of triathlon podcasting, have been podcasting since 2019 and are nearing your 200th episode of the Inside Try Show. It is mental. Congratulations. That is Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. It is it is mad. And actually, I, I have been podcasting since 2014 because I did another podcast for five years. And then, yeah, Inside Tri Show since 2019. So that is nine years of triathlon podcasting, which is it's actually quite a stint, I think. I mean, that's that's nearly a decade. How long is Rich Roll podcasting? Oh, that's a good question. And I, I I don't know the answer. Yeah. Like if you th- no. if you think about it, you were probably one of the first to be in the space of podcasting before all the rest of us jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. So there was uh, I am talk that from from New Zealand. Um, Fitter Radio, I think, started at a similar sort of time to when we started. Um, but yeah, it, it really was before everyone before podcasting became massive, I think. Um and it's so interesting how I, I do think lots and lots of people listened to the other podcast because there, there weren't that many others around. Um, and I think now fewer people do listen generally to triathlon podcasts because there are more to choose from and there are more podcasts to choose from. And there's such a competing market for your attention and what you're going to you know, consume like YouTube. So many people have YouTube channels now, which I just, they didn't really 10 years Mm. ago. It's interesting how the whole podcasting world has opened up and how it has connected people. And speaking of connections, it's connected you and I, even though people would say, oh, you're competing against each other. And we're like, "Mm, we have a very similar base. (laughs) I know people listen to Helen's show. I know people listen to my show. And I'll be like, yeah, we listen to both because they've got such a variety of guests and also such a different style of, I suppose, podcasts as well. Even though very similar, exactly. we're very different. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I do think that that is one of the best things that's come out of it is friendships, which sounds utterly mad. And I'm pretty sure we'll be talking about a you know crazy cycling adventure I've just done. And the person I did that with, I didn't even know a year and a half ago. And the only reason that we ended up doing it together as she was a listener of the podcast. So it, it it's I, I love what has come out of doing a podcast. It's it's just great. I always tell people I'm really nosy and curious and and I've a real people think, you know, as a race announcer that all I do is talk all the time. But <laughs> I love hearing people's stories. And I think yes. I'm genuinely nosy. Are you nosy? I'm really I I'm curious, I think. Um, I I am definitely, definitely curious. And I 
always, always, when I was younger, the thing I wanted to do was work in radio, work in journalism. So there's definitely something there. And, you know, I, I did go on and do that. That That's what I did. That was my job. I was a, a journalist. I don't think I was ever a particularly good journalist because my style of journalism is more exactly what you said, stories. You know, I'm not the hard-nosed journalist who wants to sort of screw someone over or get an exclusive or anything like that. It's not what I'm about. I I like listening to people. I like talking to people. And funnily enough, even I was in a car recently with with someone and um, he said, I had never met him until like the morning. And he actually said to me, he's like, I don't think any of my work colleagues know what I've just told you. Like, it's almost like a different life of mine. I, I, I've never really told that many people. He's like, I don't know why I've just told you. <laughs> I was like, well, that's me. I just, I like getting stories out of people. So how does it feel to be on the other side of the microphone for today's interview now? Uh, so I always find it a bit nerve wracking because generally I, I don't think I am the most confident person. I like the fact it's audio and no one, I, de- I definitely have that. <laughs> I love audio. I'm not so fond of the whole camera thing. And how do I feel? I mean, we're just having a chat, so I'm I'm pretty happy. And there's nothing, you know, a bit like me. You're not trying to get anything dodgy out of me or anything like that. So I'm pretty relaxed. We're just going to have a chat. Absolutely. And the art of conversation is not lost on the two of us, really, when you think about it. Correct. I think we're pretty good at talking, aren't we? We sure are. And before we go forward, I want to go backwards a little bit. During COVID, we actually joined up together yes. and had so much fun with our 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 tri-commute I couldn't remember the name of it there for a second total blank whoa <laughs> but yeah so that was lots of fun and it was a really nice collaboration between the two of us to bring some fun and entertainment and put some joy into people's lives on their way to work in the morning but also to bring some professional athletes on board as well and give them a platform to share what they were up to because we were keen to hear what the athletes were doing even though there was nothing really happening. I just remember was it the first one we did and we had you know Kat Matthews popped up, Laura Siddle popped up you know halfway uh, on her way to the pool something like that. Um, There were others who just sort of just appeared and you're like this is Indy, cool. I think Indy Lee Indy and Kim Lee, Morrison popped up as well. Was it Nikki Bartlett was our first yes. guest yes. and everyone was kind of like dipping in and out and it was so much fun. But <laughs> like there's been so many little adventures and we've got to meet up a couple of times. And I know, Helen, that lots of your listeners listen to my show and yeah. vice versa. But I would love to find out who is Helen Murray away from the microphone, away from that fantastic podcast that you have. You know, you mentioned that you you're a journalist, but I also know that you studied Spanish and French in college, that you're now learning Welsh. You're very proud of the fact that oh, you were yeah. you're, you're, you were spouting Welsh to me earlier. And I was like, I'm going to try and come back with you with some <laughs> Irish, but it's not going not gonna to match. Still waiting for that. Yeah, we were even trying to practice you are an Ironman in Welsh. Um, but who who is Helen Murray and how has she got to where she is today? That's a, that's a question and a half, isn't it? Uh, yeah, OK, so... As you say, I did go and do Spanish and French at uni. Um, One of the best parts of that time was, I have a a picture on the wall behind me, which you can see, but no one else can. It's a picture of Mexico. So I spent 10 months in Mexico as part of my degree. And I was teaching English in a small town called San Juan del Rio, St. John of the River. (laughs) 
and um, I, you know, I was like the only. I was the, I was the only sort of person in town who spoke English. There were no, there weren't, there weren't any gringos as they call them, Americans. I, I don't remember seeing many other Canadians, Americans. Like I was so immersed in that town and that kind of experience. Like. Oh, I love it. And I still have, um, you know, me familia Mexicana, like my Mexican family. So I'm still in touch there. I've probably been back, I think, four times back to Mexico after that year abroad. So that's, you know, something that's so important to me in life. I was a bit of a radio geek because I just wanted to work in radio. So while I was at uni, I didn't do I didn't do triathlon. I I remember going once with the running club because I had um, entered the London Marathon and I just thought I was going to die on a track session. Like it was horrendous. I couldn't breathe. (laughs) So, you know, I wasn't into triathlon. I did I did uni radio, uh, did a postgrad in journalism at Cardiff. And then from there, yeah, worked in sort of BBC local radio, spent a bit of time in Switzerland at a radio station out there. So used my French. But all the time I wanted to work for BBC. I wanted to work for Five Live. Um, and eventually when BBC Sport, I wanted to do sport, by the way, not news. When BBC Sport moved north to so Salford near Manchester, I managed to get one of the jobs there. So that was 2011. Uh, and then I'm not going to go through it all, but basically I then would have worked at, the dream was always, I want to work at the Olympics. So I managed to work at London 2012. Rio 2016 was a lot better. So I managed to work there and then did Glasgow 2014 and Possibly one of the best things was I did the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in 2018 and then was able to stay out in Australia and uh, visit my brother. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's me, really, in terms of work stuff. Oh, then a massive career change, but we'll come on to that. Yeah, we'll come to that in a few minutes. <laughs> so the thing that's hit me about all of that is, one, you wanted to work in radio. Yep. Two, you absolutely love being immersed in a foreign country and living the life there. And three, you managed to marry both your interest in radio, broadcasting, talking, curiosity, uh, nosiness um, with your travel because you got to go to some incredible places to work as a journalist. So London 2012, um, that was that was a bit of like a dangling carrot. It was almost like, oh, so close yet so far because I spent most of the time in the, they call the International Broadcast Centre. So you're basically in a an air-conditioned, um, massive, massive warehouse. That's what it feels like. I didn't really get to see anything. Rio, I felt like I landed on my feet and I was able to get out and about more. And um, I actually produced the paratriathlon for like BBC Sport, but like BBC Radio Sport. Um, so that kind of thing. I'm like, this is insane. This is, I am living the dream. I am on the beach producing. producing so when you say produce, try. people who don't work in the industry, yeah. what does that actually mean, Helen? I, I still don't really know what production means. I think it's just, so yeah, so I wasn't on air at all, but I would have had to make sure that on air we covered a triathlon which you're like how does that work on radio so I would have had a um like a presenter from the triathlon we would have had a team of summarizers and so my job would be to make sure that we had a few guests as well so um I remember Andy Lewis who had got the gold medal 
like the day before he came back to do a bit of summarizing for the women's race. Um, you know, I would have gone off with one of the summarizers to go and find a family member, that kind of thing. And then you'd have, I guess, HQ. So on air, there'd be something else going on. They might be going to different events or they might have been back in the UK, I don't know, covering a football match or something. And they'd say, right now, let's go over to, you know, the paratriathlon and our, you know, our reporter, Jonathan Overend. And then, I, so I would make sure that at that, that point, the presenter has stuff to say or is somewhere or has that family member to talk to. Um, and they'd kind of be saying, oh, yeah, we've got five minutes with you. Okay, cool. So basically, you're just looking after the segment and your team on the ground. And just as a completely different example, so... I spent a lot of time producing the sport bulletins on BBC radio. So that would mean you'd have your reader. So again, I wasn't on air, but you would, you know, you go in at 5am, your first bulletin would be the headlines at 6am. Then you'd have like audio in the half past six bulletin. So the presenter would do a lot of writing but you might have someone who didn't do any writing. So you'd literally have to write all the scripts. You'd have to be editing audio. Let's say, you know, oh my God, at quarter past six in the morning, you get something in that, I don't know, Tiger Woods has had an accident or something. Uh, and you'd be like, oh, sugar, right. We need the golf correspondent on live at half past six in the morning. And you'd be contacting the golf correspondent and say, hey, can we get you live at the half past six? Yeah, cool. We need 30 seconds. Brilliant. Cool. And then you'd run up to the studio with the presenter you'd say to them, don't run because they then get out of breath. Um, but anyway, you you know, so then they would be in one studio. I would be behind the glass in the other. And I would just, you can um, communicate with them if you need to, like into their headphones. Um, but you just make sure that that bulletin runs to time. You're speaking to the studio manager saying, we've got this clip next. Yeah, you've got that one. Yeah, cool. Okay, happy days. So it's a lot of organizing, cutting audio, writing scripts, that kind of stuff. Far cry from the journalism aspect, but yet still yes. a part of everything and delivering on an on a national level, really, and an international level. Before we talk about your career change, I want to ask you, why was it sport in particular that you wanted to get involved with? And prior to triathlon, which you've been heavily involved with for many years, what was your sport of choice before that? Oh, yeah. So I, I just love sport. I always have since I was younger. So I you know, I loved PE. I loved, I think I was very influenced by grandstand and watching the things like the Olympics on TV. I remember eating our breakfast, me and my brother sitting there, you know, early in the morning watching the Seoul Olympics in 1988. So I remember um, the guy diving and hitting his head off the diving board. And so there's little bits that, that I really remember. I remember in 1990, no, 1996, the Atlanta Olympics, I think my parents had booked a holiday in like camping in France. That was what we did. We used to go camping in France for the holiday um, for like two weeks. And I think this realisation that, but we won't be able to watch the Olympics. And we ended up going to Devon. <laughs> that's, no how much, that's how much I loved sport. So yeah, I, I always wanted to to kind of get into that. So what was my sport? Well, football is always very heavy like you have to have a good understanding of it and it's hilarious because now like I just don't have a clue since, since that's what come on to since career change it's amazing how much knowledge you lose very very quickly 
tennis was my thing. I really, really liked tennis. Um, so I was pretty obsessed by Wimbledon. Um, I loved athletics, really loved athletics. Because again, growing up, triathlon wasn't a thing until the Sydney Olympics. So yeah, tennis, athletics, swimming, any anything pretty much. I'd be like, oh yeah, this is great. Were you first up in PE to get on the teams for the sports days and for the classes and activities and everything? Well, hilariously. Uh, so I was pretty all right at most things I was very good for school not not much wider than school but uh, so school I was good at tennis within the school um and probably would have been pretty all right in the Wrexham area uh I was quite all right a short tennis in the Wrexham in the mold area under 10 singles winner (laughs) Um, thanks but yeah 800 and 1500 meters like the PE teacher would straight away I'd be I'd be on that list because I could just carry on running so I clearly had that endurance hilariously athletics anything else I was absolutely rubbish at so I I couldn't sprint I couldn't jump couldn't throw like I I, it was almost traumatic because I was so bad at throwing jumping and sprinting not for me just make me run around in laps and I'm happy perfect when you go to do a triathlon and it's a multi-loop run course Correct. I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. That's really fine. Or like cross country. Everyone else hated it. I'm like, can't wait. I'm, yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah. I can just imagine you. Hands up first. Me, me, me. Yeah. yeah. And then even when it came to stuff like outdoor ed, um, so outdoor education, <laughs> I remember in year seven, so I would have been 11 or 12. Like I, I was always quite, I was always very small for my year. I was three months premature. So always very, very small. And you had to line up in height order in order to get your kit and it wasn't until year nine so 11 12 12 13 13 14 years old I got to about seven in line (laughs) all the way up till then whenever we went I was like oh yeah I'm first because I'm smallest Uh, but I would always be like yes I'll go down this I'll go down the rock face I don't care yep I'm up for that I can just imagine the mini Helen doing the climbing down the rock face, like totally up for an adventure, doesn't care. It doesn't surprise me that you ended up in triathlon or that you ended up in the Pan-Celtic race just a few weeks ago. So where do we go next, Helen? When we talk about triathlon first, how did you get into triathlon? Oh, so I fell off my bike when I was commuting to work in London. And at the time I would have just been running. And um, yeah, I just had a shitty mountain bike and uh, got a bit too close to a car wing mirror hurt my knee and I went to a physio and he was like well you can't um you can't run I was like oh no no swimming's all right I was like oh and I hadn't swum probably since school and um I think I wanted to enter triathlon because I would have seen it on you know on the Olympics and things like that and also I had done quite a lot of running so we're talking 2011 yeah I had done a lot of running by then I would have done quite a bit of trail running um I would have done a marathon by then so I I knew that I wanted another challenge and um yeah entered a sprint try and went from there and then when I got that staff job that I mentioned at BBC Sport suddenly the the thing that I had been chasing for years i.e a staff job with the BBC I finally got and I didn't need to chase anymore so then I'm like well I need other goals (laughs) I need I need other things to to focus on and because I was doing funny shifts um so I just spent a lot of time getting into triathlon or spending time on my bike and that's really how I got more into it so that was 2011 was it 
2011, I did the first one. And then 2012, I did my first 70.3. 2013, first Ironman. So I did Ironman Austria. Uh, then I went really like, I was very, I felt very serious about it. 2014, 15, 16, possibly even into 17. I was like, yeah, I took it. You know, it was very serious. <laughs> and then uh, and I've chilled out since then. <laughs> chilled out a lot. <laughs> You've had a podcast to produce every week since is it November 2019? You haven't had time yeah. on training. No, not not quite so much. I I I really enjoy the I do really enjoy the healthy lifestyle. I am pleased that I have got to the point that I am not taking it as seriously because plumbing heck, it can mess with your head a bit, can't it? So when you say you were taking it seriously, Helen, like what, yeah. what does that mean? I just like anything in the plan I'd have to do. Uh, I, you know, I'd be knackered. I'd probably be verging on injured. Um, I definitely didn't eat enough. I don't know. I don't think that was a conscious thing. I'd probably was, um, I'd probably, I, I, I wasn't eating enough. I know that now, but I don't, and I, I was very consciously eating healthily, but it would have been probably quite, you know, if there was pudding, I'd probably be like, no, I'm not going to have pudding. I just have a yogurt. So stuff like that. And um, it's just not a good place to be. Did you go too far on the wrong side of pedantic? Uh, so I, I didn't have like, you know, I, I I wasn't chucking up or anything like that. Really, really wasn't. I didn't go that far. But people or maybe I say... suppose the way I want to rephrase it is that it became mm. all consuming, maybe. Yes, so it wasn't yes. just about the it wasn't just about the swim, bike, run, the core, the training, but actually it filtered almost too much into normal life. Yeah, as like I remember thinking, I can't go to that wedding because I need to do a five hour ride. So that's where like now I'd be like, I'm going to that wedding really in the grand scheme of things what difference is a five-hour ride going to make well I think Helen probably what you would do is you would say I'm actually going to cycle to that wedding the night before (laughs) so I get my five-hour ride done shower and sleep and then get up and be ready for a party I think yeah that's probably what would have happened yeah no but I remember feeling like oh my god but I know that's going to be like a key weekend before you know before doing it would have been an iron man and I look back now and I'm like what the hell like really what the hell and I know um so I I was in a tri club and people that track would be like Helen you need to eat you just need to sit down and eat cheese you just eat some you just eat a bar of chocolate and it's like I would have been eating I I would have been eating that stuff but I know I I now know I was like there's no way I was eating enough no way how did you switch then how did you come out the other side so it became the lifestyle piece for you yeah, so I think getting injured had uh, played a good role in that. So 2016, when I did Ironman Bolton, I, I honestly, I, re- I did actually enjoy it that time. I, I enjoyed the training. So maybe there was just a bit more sense to it. I entered Ironman Wales in 2017. And um, again, I didn't realise, but pretty much I did it with uh, early signs of a stress fracture of my... Uh, hip I'd been in a bit of pain and um yeah so then that that then caused um I couldn't really do anything for quite a good few months and I think that was the that was a change really so when is the last time you did an Ironman hey this is a good so an Ironman branded was 2017 at Ironman Wales um 
2017. And tell me, when is the next time you're doing an Ironman? Uh, 2023, Ironman Wales. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I sh- should I tell you what it was? It was seeing Hannah Monday last year. Um, did Hannah come third, I think? I think, yeah. And she just looked like, most of the day, I was like, I'm so glad I'm not doing this. I am so glad I'm not doing this. I would not want to be coming up, you know, coming up saunas for No, 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 no. Oh, God, I would not want to be in that sea. And then she just looked like she was having so much fun. And it was watching people on the run. And I think... She smiled the, the whole Yes, she smiled. That, and I'm like, that. that is why I want to do it again. I want a bit of that like the atmosphere, the vibe. I just want to go and have fun. Whereas last time in 2017, I was like, I really wanted to qualify for Kona. I really wanted to qualify for Kona. I would have wanted to, or if it wasn't that, I wanted to get one of those bloody red trophies. Wow. Yeah. So the aim of the game this year? I I just want to have fun. That is it. I want to go and enjoy it. Yeah. Very different. (laughs) When you look back at, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but when you look back to, I suppose, when you were really in the mindset of being completely maybe over-focused on your training and and all of that, how has your lead into this event Mm. been different to what it would have been, I guess, when you were so into it, you had blinkers on? Yeah, so the I now follow a plan. Um, It's via something called Our Collective. So it's uh, something set up by Heather Frederickson and I've been doing that since 2020 and it's so much less than I was doing and I know it's a plan um, and I'm very happy with that kind of thing now whereas up until I am in Wales last time I was I had a, a, a coach and now looking back it was very much copy and paste and it would have just been this is the way to train for for an Ironman you know, it's not quite so much, there wasn't as much sort of flexibility. I don't think there was as much flexibility, whereas now I just, and I think I'm way more sensible in my own head, I think. And I do say, I sometimes say to Rich, I'm like, I am more chilled out, aren't I? And he's like, yeah, you are more chilled out. But but the, the other thing about doing the podcast, and I find this as well, is mm. we as podcast hosts are educated so much by our guests. Yeah. Because we take on board some of the knowledge that they share with us that like sometimes you wouldn't get it. And and obviously we're getting our knowledge and our information from other sources as well. But sometimes there's a nugget or two from oh, an yeah. athlete or a guest. You're kind of going, how did I not know this before? Or, you know, why? Like how? And I think when you consider that you're now nearly on your 200th mm-hmm. episode of the podcast, your brain must be filled full of information and knowledge that you've taken on board either through a guest or that you've just lived your life through that you've learned along the way. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of it is that living your life and different different passions kind of come and go and it's not the be-all and end-all anymore, whereas for those 14, 15, 16, it, it, it pretty much it really was important to me and I, I think I just view it in a different way but yeah you do hear that like Kat Matthews saying she barely does brick runs you're like well that's interesting Tom Bishop I don't do any strength training in the gym interesting interesting so there's there's lots of different things that you do take and I feel very privileged to have had a lot of the conversations that I've had or even you were asking about when my last Ironman was and the one 2021, uh, did it end up being? Yeah, 2021, um, I had entered a, a, an iron distance race and 
I was DNF and that was the first time I, you know, massive DNF. But I then, following on from that, so it turned out I was anemic, like iron deficiency anemia. And then I did a whole podcast episode on iron deficiency anemia. My God, you learned you learned so much from it. And you're like, wow, how lucky am I to be able to actually do that? And and then hopefully help someone else. Then they're not in that rubbish position that I found myself in. We're, we're in a very privileged position mm. to have the podcast and to have the opportunity to speak with so many people. You mentioned Tom Bishop, Kat Matthews. There's been so many people on your podcast. Chrissy Wellington, you know, Lucy Gossage, a good friend of yours as well, yeah. even just to mention two of the, the British superstars. But like there's been people from all over the world on the podcast. Before we go to talk about your recent uh, bikepacking adventure and your current almost full-time career away from the podcast, I want to ask you, who was the most exciting guest you've had on the podcast? That's the first question. So you can answer that one. Oh, the most exciting. Um, well, I was really excited when Gwen Jorgensen turned up. I didn't I didn't think she was going to. That was a big it. coup. Yeah. So I've been waiting quite a while for that. So um, I would say I was very excited with her. I was pretty excited to speak to Shane Williams, absolute legend of Welsh rugby. And I know that you've spoken to him as well. Um, so yeah, I was very excited by him. And one thing I never do, but I did with him, I got him to record a happy birthday message for my brother because I knew that he would be equally as excited. <laughs> do you get nervous when you're interviewing people, Helen? I get nervous before interviewing again I, and I told Kat Matthews I do get a bit nervous before certain people so I was nervous before Kat because she keeps me on my toes and I don't want to I don't want to mess stuff up so I was mm. nervous before her I would have been nervous before Shane because I didn't want to I didn't want it to be boring for him I didn't want him to think the hell and again with Gwen actually most of them no I don't if it's someone who I think is a, a let's say a bigger name then yeah I do get I just don't want to mess up that's it really I don't want them to think who the hell are you or well that was a waste of my time yeah and, and I think as well in terms of the nervousness it comes from you can only know so much about everybody and we meet so many different people and you've chatted to loads of people but the people who are the true fans of, not that they're true fans, but like they're following their YouTube channels. They're following everything. They're all over their Instagram. They're all over their Facebook. They know everything. It's really difficult to then try and pretty much learn everything you can about a guest before you bring them on so that you don't sound like a total dope um, yes. when you're asking them the questions. And sometimes it can be quite daunting to have some of the bigger names on as well, because you're like, God, will the listeners think I'm a total Right. I don't know the answer to my own question. Now, sometimes you'll know the answer to the question, but you're asking it anyway. Um, but yeah, there is that little bit of kind of oh, a fine line of pressure. Yes, I, I no, I do. I do definitely, definitely find that with, with certain people. Others, mm. I I really look forward to because I think, oh, they're, they're great. I'm just going to have a bit of a laugh. So someone like, I would say, Jess Learmonth is a good example with Jess because 
she's just really she's great value really really good value um but yeah there, there, there would be others and I get that feeling of oh, yeah. I don't want to mess this up I, really and I definitely get a kick out of getting a little nugget of information from someone that maybe somebody else didn't get that yeah. you get just one extra little piece from them so yeah so any of our future guests who are listening to the show myself and Helen love getting the extra little bits from you <laughs> So it's all good. Helen, I'm going to move quickly into your current almost full-time career at Move Charity, a huge part of your life and a chance chat with Lucy Gossage and a chance meeting with the superstar that is Lucy Gossage a few years ago has led you down this path of incredible work with Move Charity. Yeah, totally. So I I got to the point with the BBC that I was like, oh, I... I didn't want to, I, I was basically about to go back to bulletins or facing having to go back to bulletins for a third time. I was like, oh, I don't think I really can't be doing with that now. I don't want to be doing stupid shifts. Um, I actually want to do something that helps other people. This is quite a selfish, in a way, quite a selfish sort of job. Um, and I had started to do my PT qualifications. I had done my tri-coaching qualifications, like level two, still while I was at the BBC and um I was just like oh I don't think I could see myself working in a gym watched a documentary from ABC in Australia all about cancer and exercise and I was like oh my goodness that is how I can use my PT qualification so did the cancer and exercise qualification on top of that and then yeah Lucy saw Lucy Gossage saw that I was doing this qualification she was like oh my god this is amazing I didn't know you were like doing that so, nor did I really but anyway you know and then yeah we were at a triathlon and she we had a chat and she said you need to speak to Gemma who set up Move Charity and she would have said to Gemma Gemma you need to speak to Helen she's going to be taking this sabbatical from the BBC like get her on board so that was November 2018 and um, I can't remember if I started off doing two days a week. I don't know if it's one and a half. I'm not really sure. So I now am staff for three days a week. And I look after this online program. So it's helping young people, for, so 13 to 30 year olds, get fitter and get stronger after a, a cancer diagnosis. So it's amazing. I love my job. Sometimes it's bloody hard work. Sometimes you know, it's emotionally draining. It's really hard in that I work from home. I find it quite lonely sometimes. But the highs of the, you know, emotional roller coaster definitely outweigh those lows. So, you know, when you get someone saying after it's like this eight week program and you get someone who you've spoken to every week for, you know, half an hour, maybe one of the chatty ones, not one of the ones who's just like, yep, yeah, no, okay, bye. Uh, so one of the chatty ones and he says, I think I'm in a position now that I can go back to the gym. And you're like, happy days. That's amazing. You know, he wouldn't have felt confident enough to do that. Or you get someone on Zoom and, you know, you can tell they have not, they just haven't moved. They've, they have not moved for quite a while due to horrendous treatment, you know, steroids, whatever. And even just doing something as simple as some basic stretches, you know, and you've made a difference to their day. So yeah, I love my job and I can only see the MOVE program like getting bigger and helping more young people basically. 
I can see from your face, the smile on your face when you talk about Move Charity. I didn't see that for much of the previous part of the podcast, uh, other than when you were kind of laughing at me and with me. But it's 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 amazing to see you talk about it and and the impact that it can have for those young people who have gone through a traumatic experience at such a young age. I'm reading something at the moment about the importance of fulfillment. Um, and you talk about the BBC and going back onto the bulletins and back onto the crazy shifts and really there was no fulfillment there whereas it seems like you're now with Move Charity for is it nearly five years this November the fulfillment must be huge by comparison to know that you're making such a difference to the lives of these people. Yeah and it's something that I would you know I would I, I didn't I didn't feel like I made a difference in sport at all um you know you'd be saying about oh yeah man united won two one last night and i mean fans of either team might get a bit excited or whatever i liked in bbc sport i enjoyed doing certain things which you know i remember actually i did a piece on lucy gossage like that's cool i managed to get a piece on the bbc sport website so that sort of thing i really enjoyed doing because i felt like I am getting that person's story out there. But yeah, with Move Charity, Lucy always says, she says like, you make such a difference to people's lives. And it, yeah, it is. I mean, I don't, I don't, I I must do, but I do find it very fulfilling being able to help someone and being able to you know, give someone their confidence back. It, it, there's more to it than just helping someone get fitter and stronger. And I think that confidence element is massive. And people seem to enjoy, you know, talking to me uh, and they get a lot out of that as well. So you're like, okay, I, I must be doing something all right. Definitely. And sheer sound as well. So like, you know, I'm not surprised you're awesome at your job. okay so she's awesome at her job she has moved a little bit from triathlon even though she is doing Ironman Wales but the biggest adventure that Helen Murray has been on in recent times is the Pan-Celtic race a self-supported bikepacking race this year which saw nearly 300 people cycle around Brittany in northwestern France before grabbing the ferry to Portsmouth and then cycling to the finish line in I'm not going to try pronounce it but it's in North Wales what's it called? Slandedno. But it's two L's. Slandedno. Slandundo. I can't pronounce it. I'm going to kill that out of the podcast. Uh, She mentioned earlier that she had never met her friend who took on the uh, challenge with their Lowry Bowen, but they did it as a pair, 1,700 kilometres with 16,500 metres of elevation. They finished in eight days. Helen, that is just insane. But oh my God, it's so It, it feels like a dream. It feels like a dream. And uh, it it was a dream. It was amazing. So, yeah, I had spoken to Lori Morgan, not the same Lori who I did it with. So Lori Morgan and Mimi. I love, you. I love the way you rolled the Lori Morgan. <laughs> She's Welsh, you know, you've got to get the rolling R. And um, yeah, so I spoke to them. They were going to be doing it in 2022 as a pair. And I thought, that's cool. That How cool would that be? Because, you know, I've done quite a bit of uh, sort of cycle touring with Rich, but I've never done something like that with a, you know, with another female. I was like, that'd be amazing. And it's going to Brittany. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
So yeah, I said something on air along the lines of, this sounds amazing. I'd love to do it in 2023, you know, if anyone fancies it. And Lori messaged me going, well, I'm game, why not? Uh, so yeah, we hadn't, we hadn't really met. She's helping me a bit with my Welsh. And then throughout 2022, oh my God, Lori helped me massively with my Welsh, like super, super influential on me learning Welsh. She said she wasn't, but she really was. And then, yeah, we did a few rides together before sort of heading over to France. I think we did four actually. So we made time to do that. And then, yeah, the event itself, there were, I think in total, um, I think they had about 30 females across two distances. So we did the shorter one. Um, and then there was a longer one. We bivvied one night. The rest of the time we stayed in, you know, hotels or, or B&Bs. And I, at the time I was loving it, even, even the hard bits, you know, when you're just thinking, I've, oh, this is shite. Because I did see from your Instagram there was some dodgy weather at times. Oh, man, alive. It was, uh, we just, uh, there were a couple of days and the rain was incessant. It was so heavy. But you can't really, we were like, what's the point in, what's the point in stopping? Because we have to carry on. It, it's not going to stop raiding. So crack on because it's a race. Whereas if, if we were cycle touring i'm pretty sure we would have just said let's call it a day here um so yeah that that weather was very very challenging and that meant one day that we um we both slipped actually on old train lines and oh i mean that was the worst bit i'd say of the whole thing it was it was horrible we both hurt ourselves and i think we were like I especially, I didn't know if I could carry on. Um, so yeah, that bit was challenging. But as a as a whole, oh, what an adventure. Um, do I want to do it again? Never say never. I'm not going to do it next year because I'm I'm doing Roth next year. But um, no, it was awesome. And just to do an adventure like that, it's not triathlon. You know, you're on your bike for, I mean, the leaders hours. would literally have been on their bike for hours. We weren't we weren't on it for quite as much. When we moved, we shifted, but we stopped a lot. And yeah, so you, you, you did it as a you did it as a pair. So mm. did you stay cycling together the whole time, or did one of you go ahead or behind? Or we did cycle the whole thing together. Like clearly on hills or descents, one would be you know Lowry's much faster than me or more confident than me going down, and I was probably a, a bit quicker on some of the hills going up. But we it was never we were never that far apart. There were some times where we were actually, because we were a pair, we could draft each other. Mm -hmm. So there were some bits where you'd just be TTing and you're like, well, we're moving quickly here. Um, But no, it was so, I loved having someone else to chat to. And, you know, there were times whereby we weren't talking at all, but there were other moments, especially more as the day went on and we probably, you know, had had a few coffees and a bit of food and we would be a lot chatty and we just had a good laugh. And what sort of weight did you have on your bike then? Because it was a bike packing adventure. You had your bivvies, you had everything. You know, were you carrying 10 kg on the bike? Or were you carrying a bit less, a bit more? I never, I never put my bike on the scales. Didn't so I honestly don't have a clue. <laughs> this is one of those things that the people at the front would be obsessed by. Whereas I had a few bits of kit already, and I wasn't prepared to spend a load of money just to get things that were lighter so I honestly don't know how heavy it was but what I can tell you is going uphill now is so much easier without the extra uh, baggage I definitely feel stronger on a bike than I did a few months ago let's just just say that and out of curiosity over the 1700 kilometers it was eight days so 
how did you break down the distances and how many hours a day were you in the saddle? Yeah, so it, it varied a little bit. So the first day we actually had booked a hotel. So we knew, right, we are going to ride. It was 127 miles. So sorry to flip to miles, but I, I know that's what that one was. The second day, um, oh, we were riding from six in the morning through to quarter past 10 in the evening. Obviously, we'd stop. We actually stopped and had steak free. <laughs> during that day um yeah third day got cut short because of the accident uh and then the fourth day in france was i think it was about 110 miles like we knew we had to get to the ferry but because after that crash it sort of messed us around a little bit like we we would have done it in seven days but that crash put us back Mm because we effectively lost yeah a good sort of 18 hours and then in the uk once we got to england I think we knew by then, right, well, we can vaguely do probably about 120, 130 miles, um, maybe more. And that was, yeah, that was that was effectively what we did to then get back to London. So the final day, we clipped in early. It was either six or seven and finished at like 20 past 11 at night. Oh, wow. It was a big day. It was a big yeah. day, but there was no way. I was like, I am not. I am not. Ca- I am going to finish this thing today. <laughs> yeah, I did not want. I didn't want to be out on that bike for another day. Uh, what was the highlight of the trip? Uh, pizza vending machine. A pizza vending machine is the highlight of a 1700 kilometer bikepacking adventure. I'm yeah. disappointed in you, Helen Murray. It was incredible. It was incredible. Um. The uh, the camaraderie. Sorry, come back and tell me a little bit about the pizza vending machine before you move on. You see, you want to know about the pizza vending machine, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you certainly do. <laughs> so it's a vending machine, but it's got pizza in it. You can have it hot or cold. And um, it, it was just in a village. In I had, We had seen a couple and this particular day that we needed the pizza vending machine. You know, th- there were no restaurants open. It's France. Nothing's ever open. And um, yeah, it was 8 p.m. And I was like, oh, stop, 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 stop. How about pizza, Lowry? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so you just sort of choose on a menu what you want. Uh, you say, yep, I'll have it hot, please. And pay your money. It was sort of 12, 13 euros. Comes out five minutes later in a box on a little tray. Delicious. Proper good pizza. Well, now that's <laughs> yeah. very good. It's a business. It's a business goer, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So then your real highlight of the trip. The camaraderie between people, definitely. And I think for me, that sense of achievement. Um, yeah, it, I, I just, it's really difficult to pick one particular highlight because I i loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And I liked that challenge element and that feeling of, I'm, I think I can do this, but it it is pretty far. <laughs> like I've never cycled that far in such a short space of time. Um I mean, some of the scenery in Brittany is absolutely beautiful, really, really beautiful. Um, so those sorts of things. But I, I love doing it with Lowry as well. Really, really enjoyed it. And just we had we did have a real good giggle. Brilliant. I love it. You've mentioned you're doing Challenge Roth. What are you planning for the non-triathlon piece of your life in 2024? Oh, Ooh, that now that's a good question. So Rich and I really, really, really want to take I don't know, anywhere between sort of four and six weeks off. 
around Christmas 2024 to go to South America. And it's still a little bit up in the air. Like it, it was definitely at one point it was like, we are absolutely going cycle touring in Colombia for a month. Whereas I think now, perhaps because of all the Welsh learning, I'm like, I really want to go to Patagonia. Um, so it might be that we spend a bit of time in Argentina, perhaps cycle touring in Argentina, and then just travel around Colombia, or what a mixture. I don't really know, but that's that's the that's the plan. And that was what we said after Christmas of 2022. We were like, right, two years' time, we're gonna save up and we are going to go and have a South American adventure because life is too short, right? You've got to do these things. I 100 percent agree. You have some big plans for 2024 for adventures, but you also have some big news for the podcast. So I'm actually going to be finishing the podcast at episode 200. And yeah, I mean, that is the big news, Joanne, that I am going to be finishing the podcast at episode 200. That's going to come as a big shock to a lot of your listeners who tune in every single Wednesday and have been tuning in every single Wednesday since November 2019. Yeah, I know. It's it when I'm saying this right now, because I haven't quite finished it and I'm still putting the final episodes together, there's a bit of me that thinks oh, it doesn't really feel that real. But then at the same time, I have been thinking of this for probably the last six or seven months. And then I set myself this idea of, well, I'm going to get to 200 episodes, whatever. And I guess because I've had that time to think about it, I know that it's 100% the right reason. And in the final three episodes of the Inside Try Show, I've got three very special conversations, really, with people who have had a big impact, not just on me through triathlon, but actually on me and my life, I'd say, over the past decade. And they are more, I actually speak a bit more than I normally do because quite often I am listening intently and, and letting someone else, you know, answer all the questions. But I do try to chip in a bit more and I talk about, yeah, about life really and, and sort of different things to do with that and therefore some of the different reasons as to why I am stopping. But it has been such a huge, huge privilege to do. I can't really believe that I have even got to 200 episodes. I have taken so, so much from it. And I know I, I say at some point in, one, in, in those interviews, I'd prefer to go out on a high while I'm still enjoying it rather than getting to the point of not getting that buzz from it anymore. I still do. And yeah, I just feel so grateful for having been able to do it and for people having listened, as you say, you know, week in, week out, maybe on their dog walk, looking forward to it. And yeah, I just feel very, very lucky indeed. It's a huge commitment to have had to release a show every week. I know how much effort it takes from my side to get my show out. And it's two episodes a month. Well, it was up until May of this year when I decided to take a little bit of a step back. But to do it every single week, Helen, it's it's a mammoth task from getting the athletes and, and coordinating the interviews to actually recording them, researching, talking to the athletes, and then the back end of it, getting it ready for production and posting and just making sure that it's it's right and it's the right vibe of, of what you want to release for your audience and for your guests. Um, there's going to be a big void 
uh, within the triathlon space, I think, and within the endurance space with you leaving. And I hope it's not a, I hope it's not a completely shut door. I hope that the door remains open, that potentially you'll come back and, and do some more again, maybe in the future. And who knows? Maybe you and I might do uh, some more stuff. We talked about the tri-commute earlier yes. in, the, in the episode and we had so much fun connecting over that. So oh, yeah. I have no doubt that we'll see you podcasting again or at, at least on the, on the airwaves somewhere again. But what are you going to do to fill your time? I know you have lots of adventures planned, but really that's a huge chunk of your week back belonging to you again now. Well, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because quite often I would put a Monday aside. So Mondays generally would be, that's the day that I do podcast things. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that's my days, or those are my days when I work in cancer and exercise rehab. And then quite often, I will be honest, quite often, Fridays would also, for a period, end up being podcast days as well. More recently, over the past year, I've started doing uh, shifts back at BBC Local Radio on a Friday. Whatever happens with that day, I still want one day a week to do creative things, whether that is BBC Local Radio, whether it's podcasting, whether it is writing content for someone, I don't know, doing social media, whatever it is, creativity is really important to me to break up my week because all being well, I'll be going to four days a week doing cancer and exercise rehabilitation, which is super exciting for me. I, I love that. But yeah, I still want to do that bit of creativity. As for my evenings, well, yes, I'm going to get them back because <laughs> quite often I'm like, oh my God, when am I going to record the podcast? I literally don't have time. So it's quite often, as we are now, it, it's an evening when we're recording this, it's after work. So it might mean that I can get to swimming more often with the tri club. Or I could get to athletics with the tri club. Maybe I could go to Welsh conversation. Like there's so much other stuff that I can do and would like to do rather than thinking, oh my God, I haven't had any time this week to do the podcast. It's a Saturday afternoon. I'm going to have to do it today. So yeah, I am looking forward and that is a big part of it. Just that time and time is, my mum always says, time is one of the most precious things. It certainly is. And I just want to say, like, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show and being part of the journey that we've had together. We've become great friends over the past couple of years when we first met at a Women for Tri event, actually, at Ironman Wales back a few years ago. We've been on our own little journey together and separately. And it's been uh, such a pleasure to get to know you and to spend time with you both catching up over Zoom over the past few years, but then actually getting to meet at least once a year for the past few years as well. And um I wish you every success and I know that your listeners will miss you, but I know that they know that you're doing it for all the reasons that you need to do it for. And um, I think it's going to be it's going to be great for you. And uh, you might actually get to see Rich and you might actually get to lie on the couch of an evening. every <laughs> Imagine it. I said I said I reckon it's 200 not out. I let's keep that door open. You never know. There, there might be a one off series or something like that. I, I, I don't know. But actually, yeah, definitely separate away from that from that weekly weekly work brilliant and so my final question is of everything that you've achieved so far mm. in sport in life everything what are you most proud of oh my goodness mm. oh I'm gonna give you a really rubbish answer I think I'm just proud that um I'm an all right human being like I you know I haven't always been the most confident of people um but 
I've, you know, I've achieved the dream that I set out to achieve with BBC Sport. You know, I worked at the Olympics and they were goals that I was so passionate about. And yeah, I just, I like the fact that I'm a good egg and I can help people. And that, you know, that means the world to me. And I I try to be a good friend. I try to be a good wife. I try to be a good daughter and a good sister. And if I am able to do that and still be happy myself, then I can't really ask for much more. I think that is one of the best answers I've ever gotten to that question. Helen, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Try Talking Sport. It has taken a while to get you on the podcast, but I'm delighted that we finally managed to get here and uh, wish you the best of luck with everything for the future. And I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Oh, Joanne, thank you so, so much. And go and smash it in Kona, as I know you will. And it's just like you were talking there about the journey and it has been incredible to watch you grow and become you know announcer at the world championships it's phenomenal so yeah thank you you're an absolute superstar and i think the world of you oh and we're going to leave it there before the two of us start crying (laughs) (laughs) thanks for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this episode you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com if you would like to hear more great episodes of the podcast be sure to check them out on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and on Instagram. If you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please email me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.